Welcome to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, uh, your weekly livestock podcast, as always sponsored kindly by Harbro. On this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, we look at characters in livestock, and uh, this time we go across into Scandinavia for the very first time, and uh, have on the call uh, Ellen Aronebeck. Uh, Ellen, you just need to tell me pronounce you how to pronounce your name properly there in Norway. Yeah, uh, it's not so common name in uh, in uh, the UK, I think. So it's uh, uh, pronounced in the Norwegian island Rønnebæk. Um, yeah, so uh, it's not it's not a very common name here, but uh, it is a, a heritage name then. So uh, okay. yeah, so uh, that's uh, that's my name. And yeah. my introduction to you came through uh, Jill Hunter from uh, Harbro, and Jill uh, uh, Jill's on the call as well. There, morning, Jill. Morning, Andy. Thank you. Delighted to be back with you. And Jill, you visited uh, um, Ellen in Norway and, and written about him as well. So you're more of an expert on on him. Uh, in fact. I'm no expert at all. Norway's a place I've never been to, although I'd love to. Uh, um, Ellen, if we can just go back into your own um, family um, history there and your farm set up there. I believe the farm has been in the family for the home family for, for some time. Yeah, the farm uh, uh, been in the family for uh, as long as we actually can record. Uh, but it will say five, five, six uh, generation, uh, generations ahead. And uh, it's been developing uh, through the generation by, by buying uh, uh, when, when it was smaller farms. Uh, uh, the ancestors were, were buying up uh, smaller farms and gather it uh, into a, a farm now that is uh, quite big in uh, Norwegian standards. And if we, if we talk about Norwegian standards, we'll go on to the location in a second, but Norwegian generally is known for, renowned for sort of uh, smaller family farms rather than um, um, big big operations, would I be right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we have a, a governmental uh, or agriculture politics that supports uh, uh, smaller family farms uh, and uh, uh, Norwegian government uh, has always been um, occupied by by uh, keeping as a spread agriculture through all the whole country. Uh, as you know, Norway, Norway has only three uh, percent uh, land uh, possible for cultivation and agriculture, and just one percent of this area again is uh, uh, is for arable. Rest is just grassland, uh, and so mostly it's. Uh, it's mountains, water, forests, uh, and uh, uh, so it's always uh, been uh, a, a big uh, interest in in keeping a, a vital agriculture uh, throughout uh, all of the country, despite the the, the vast distances. If you turn Norway uh, around uh, and take the top uh, north to the south, you will uh, end up in Rome. So that says something about uh, the distances there. <laughs> it is a big country, I know, and a, be- <laughs> a beautiful country from what I've seen of it, and you're describing it beautifully as well. And as you said, when you're down to 1% of the of the land that can grow um, the cereal, I guess that probably makes the, the good land very uh, valuable and expensive. And, and I believe your one of your main inputs, of course, is top-quality silage, and, and that comes down to having good-quality land as well, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, we are uh, quite uh, lucky here at uh, our farm. We are... 
the, the farm is situated at the banks of the Norway's biggest river uh, that uh, f- uh, floats out in the in the north. A North Sea, and maybe some some of the water will end up in Scotland. <laughs> for all I know, <laughs> and uh, and formerly it was used as a, a, a big transportation uh, way for 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 the timber uh, that is cut uh, all all uh, into the country, and uh, it was floated then down to the coast, uh, and there were the the sawmills and uh, also the export possibilities for Norwegian. Norwegian wood is a it's a well known uh, saying and uh, going through all, uh, all all Europe and the world uh, with a, with a high quality timber. Uh, but the sed- so we are farming at the sediments from this uh, river. It's been much larger before, uh, so it's a stone free uh, uh, soil, uh, partly sandy close to the river, and then more silt and clay. Uh, more apart upper in the hill uh, hillside then so uh, it's a good uh, it's a good uh, soil and uh, and ag- ag- agronomic possibilities um, even even if the main challenge is the short uh, growing season can you just give me a, an indication of just how far north you are in in, in latitude um in, in, in latitude i mean i think oslo is about level with shetland are you further north than that uh, no, no, uh, we are more straight east from uh, from Oslo. Okay. Uh, so, so it's about the same uh, same latitude as uh, Oslo, but it's it's getting more uh, inland climate here. So, uh, Oslo is just uh, uh, one uh, one one minute, no, one hour, uh, fifty minutes to drive, but it's. Uh, it's much better climate uh, in Oslo than it's here uh, uh, regarding temperatures. Evan. Because the, the, um, uh, Norway goes up into the Arctic. So I think they still farm inside the Arctic Circle, don't they? And how far, how far, yeah, yeah, yeah. how far north of you would that be in, in, in kilometers? Oh, uh, to, to the Arctic Circle, mm. it will be about. Oh, uh, you have to drive one and a half day okay. uh, to get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're not quite in the in the in the frozen tundra, but I do believe you've had um, you've had the area around you freezing. Does the river freeze over at all? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, normally this uh, river was uh, 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 important way of communication, just along the river, but also across it. Uh, so it was uh, normal to uh, to. Uh, yeah, drive through the through the river in the in the winter by horses, but uh, also with cars uh, uh, later on. But uh, the, the the last years, uh, the the ice been not not that safe that it was uh, for ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. It's uh, it's getting milder here uh, according to the climate uh, change. So, but we still have ice, uh, and and we can walk on it, and uh, and all kind of animals can. Uh, <laughs> can transport there so 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 we can have uh yeah for 10 years ago it was quite normal here to have minus 25 to to 30 degrees for a for a longer period of, of time so uh, we we are quite familiar with uh with tough uh, winters and, okay. and snow and ice 
Okay, yeah. and, and for most people, when you do farm by a river, the river becomes your boundary and keeps your livestock in. And I guess when that's uh, frozen over there, where your livestock can escape and other animals can get in, as you say. And if we go on to your livestock, uh, Ireland, you run a, a beef group there, and, and and this podcast is primarily about about beef. Um, I think you've got uh, ten or a dozen farmers all joined together. And and uh, can you can you give me a little bit of an idea how how, how your how your beef operation uh, works there in in Norway? Yeah, we are about uh, 10 farmers uh, that's uh, organized by by uh, commitment uh, the, the agreements uh, to the to to the, this cooperation then on on uh, beef farming. So it's uh, 10 farms that uh, have uh, only settler uh, cows on their uh, on their farm. Um, they sell all the calves, uh, both male and uh, and uh, females, in the yeah in September uh, after they weaned, uh, we then uh, uh, raise all the bulls for or finish the the bulls for for slaughter and all the heifers, about 150 heifers, we we uh, take them through the shoots, uh, weigh them. And have some people from the abattoir coming to to grade them to to uh, do. We measure the the ribeye muscle and uh, see the fat content and the and the height. And of course, uh, um, measuring the the daily uh, weight uh, gain. And then they inspect them visually uh, uh, with the with the birth ways, their their legs, their hooves, and and everything. And then select out uh, the one that's not fitted for for further breeding for and they go for slaughter and the the best one then are recruited back into the into the the, the satellite farms as we call them uh, so so they uh, buy their recruitment heifers again in in the for the grazing season uh, with a with a pregnancy control then so we have uh, Established that they are, are pregnant. So, so you supply give, you supply yes. them back to them when when uh, when so you you basically AI them and then supply them back to the the farmers again in calf. Is that right? That's that's correct. And and can I ask you what what sort of numbers are we talking about first, Erland? You say 150 heifers. How many of these 10 farmers in the group? What sort of uh, numbers are we talking? Yeah, about, about uh, we so we receive about 350 calves here in the, in September. Okay. Uh, so that's a herd, and and then we have a, a circular uh, herd on fifty cows uh, as well uh, yeah. alongside. Okay, yeah. And what what breeds um, do you, when you're AI in these heifers to go back to? There'll be animals that are suited to your particular climate. I get. What sort of breeds suit your suit your system, both for for breeding and and obviously for uh, for your your specific carcass um, requirements. Yeah, we uh, on on the heifers. Uh, I think uh, about seventy percent of them are uh, uh, eyed or with a with a with a bull uh, with uh, with Angus. Um, partly because of uh, the the wish to have a, a, a vital and and safe safe born calf. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some farms farmers uh, want a, a bit more heavier calf, uh, so we also use uh, and then it's Simmental uh, is uh, preferred because uh, the the farmers again they want want to be sure that the, that the cows had sufficient with the, with milk. Mm-hmm. So so on, on the heifers it's uh, it's uh, mostly 
uh, Angus and and Simmental wools uh, that are used. And, and where do you find uh, cement for for cement supplies for this? Is this local? Or can you import this, or uh, or do you have uh, yeah, bulls at work? Now it's uh, it's mostly uh, it's most mostly uh, siemens uh, produced in uh, in Norway uh, through our uh, breeding breeding society here. Okay, and and is yeah. is the the pedigree side of it um, quite big in Norway? Are there big um, pedigree producers, or is it just basically enough bulls to produce what semen is needed in, within the country? Yeah, it, it, it is a it's a good pedigree system uh, within all the all the breeds that we have. We we have a national breeding uh, um, program for Hereford, Angus, Charolais, Simmental, and Limousine, uh, where we uh, put the best bulls for for uh, each uh, year in in a test station. And uh, measure them on uh, daily growth, uh, feed uh, uh, efficiency, and uh, of course all the exterior uh, elements uh, as well. And then the best ten percent of these are um, then going into uh, EI pro- pro- production, semen production. Okay. Mm. And, and it sounds like that, as I've heard, that you're very specific about your recording and and all the genetic recording that goes on. And we'll go in on in a second onto uh, onto your um, carcass classifications because again, that's quite eye opening. But I'll bring Jill in here. Jill, I think you you first um, met Ireland in the in the UK. He he visited uh, you and and uh, was interested in your range of products. That's right, Andy. Yes. So Ireland. I, I mean, it was before I started with Harborough, but certainly Ireland. I think was the chairman of the Norway Beef Association, um, and was over at a show, possibly at Stoneway or um, somewhere similar, and saw a, a product that Harborough sell called Maximon. It's basically a, an ammonia and grain treatment, um, and was very keen to try that. So started working with with my colleagues Neil Kidd and Stephen Kenyon around 10 years ago. So it's been a, a well-established, long-running partnership that we have with Ireland there in, in Norway. And I guess um, Ireland could explain a little bit more maybe about exactly what the setup is, that Ireland would use Maximon on its home farm, but then also is a distributor for to other farmers in Norway as well. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's right, uh, Jill. And uh, it's be- really been a success for us what uh, what we don't have in Norway is any protein uh, n- nearly no uh, uh, growing or protein uh, plants so we are really um, dependent on the import of, uh, of rape and uh, and soya so I saw this as a, a really good uh, opportunity to to try the maximum uh, concept in Norway uh, where we with, with this uh, with this um, product, we can be self supported by by protein and and help the help the animal itself to to produce the protein that it needs through the through the uh, microbial protein in the in the rumen. So and that's really been a, a success for us. And and also it's more and more other companies that's now uh, also introducing. Um, um, uh, no, we 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 and one other company is uh, selling maximum grain, and then there's some other uh, solutions for for uh, ammonium treated grain. So so it's 
is increasing, and that's very, very good. And, and being as a man as we've already heard there, who's who's um, particular on on recording information and, and statistics, you wouldn't have just used this this lightly. I'm assuming you did uh, you did some trials with your own animals and, and across the board before you you took that on wholeheartedly. How how did the maximum trials work out for for you? Yeah, we, we in in the start we just tested it here on the farm. Uh, before I started with maximum, I, I used my own barley and uh, and mixed that with uh, with uh, soya, and uh, we had problems with uh, with um, acidosis and and other things uh, combined with maybe too much starch in in the ration, but that's. Soon we started with the uh, with the maximum. We we could see this uh, these kind of problems were just disappearing, and uh, and and we saw it just by the records uh, in the end of the year that the the daily gain uh, performance has uh, lifted with uh, with 100 gram uh, per animal uh, a day. So we were we were very happy with the with the result and uh, at least how it. Yeah, and and the welfare in the in the sheds, uh, animals were clean. It was no acidosis, and uh, so after that, we have never looked back. Okay, and and your feed conversion when you when you don't have that protein within the within the country, feed conversion is something that you you take very seriously. That's where the profit is, isn't it? And uh, and 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 you record all that. Yeah, uh, and I I uh, unfortunately maybe not the majority of the farmers is not too concerned about the feed uh, feed efficiency on on cattle on on chicken and and uh, and uh, pork it's it's very uh, closely monitored but uh, but maybe not on on beef cattle and i think it's uh, it's a huge potential there both genetic and uh, of course also in the whole kind of feeding ration you you're giving uh, we we see we see on on the test bulls on the in the breeding program that it's it could be several hundred euros per per uh, per bull in difference in feed efficiency sure. so so that's a, a huge potential there something that's a potential all across the world but it sounds like you guys are at the sharp end of that curve and, yeah and you mentioned or, or jill mentioned that you were chairman of the norway beef association and uh, so, uh, what sort of numbers of beef farmers are we looking at involved in a group like that and what sort of numbers of farmers and cattle for that matter I think it's about 4,000 uh, beef farmers, registered beef farmers in Norway, and we have about half of them in the in uh, members in the beef uh, organization. And, and uh, it's called TIR, T-I-R, and it's uh, uh, both working with uh, with uh, breeding, but also with uh, the uh, agriculture politic uh, directed to to beef production and, and grazing activity and all, all these uh, kinds of uh, matters. Okay, okay, and obviously the, yeah. the 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 maximum will have filtered down through that group there, and and uh, sounds like Jill uh, that Norway is a good customer to you. It certainly is, yeah. And I, do, I guess the, the important bit for me as a nutritionist very much was to see how that that product, uh, reducing the amount of bottom protein, but bringing the protein with it, um, is actually complementing the really good grass salads that they're making anyway. Um, so we visited back in June and I was just absolutely blown away with the, the attention to detail, certainly on Erland's farm um, and some of the other farms we visited as well. 
just how important actually the, the quality of the feed um, and the attention to detail of getting that into the animals, even down to the way that Erland you know, picked his, his clamp of silage was, was impressive. Um, you, you certainly couldn't fault the, the attention to detail and the, the want to get it right. Um, and I guess Erland, some of that would, would, the drive for that would be coming from the way that you're paid your subsidies and how that's um, linked to um, hitting specific target markets for your finished cattle. You have to get it right, don't you, to be able to get your your payments. And Erlen, you mentioned reaching the, the right quality to gain subsidies, and I assume those subsidies are paid from within, uh, Norway's not in the EU, so they, they'd be paid from within the Norwegian government, is that right? Yeah. And your carcass requirements are generally leaner than than most of the of us in the West. That's probably because you're you're a more healthy uh, living nation. And your carcass weights, I I think uh, Jill was told me that uh, you're aiming to hit sort of 400 kilo carcasses at, at uh, 15 months old, which is pretty impressive on the continentals and and maybe a bit lighter on the on the Angus ones and killing them a bit earlier. But uh, but tell us about the the passport side of it because everything's recorded and there's a lot more genetic traceability, isn't there? Everything must uh, must be on it, and uh, if we, for example, uh, uh, if if we send a herd of fifteen animals to the slaughterhouse and one is missing their air tags, they're going uh, uh, they they get uh, to the destruction. So so it's it's quite uh, yeah. Uh, you you need to have uh, control on uh, on everything, but it, so it's both good and bad but i think mostly it's good because we we gather all the information of each individual uh, carcass that is slaughtered in norway and for many many years uh, ahead into a common database okay uh, and that gives us a a, a good uh, um, um, yeah so that, that's common so all the arbitrators is, is uh, reporting into into this so we have a good very good statistics for development in in carcass uh, weights, fast uh, uh, confirmation, uh, everything. Okay, well that certainly clears that up. Jill, your your visit to Norway, as you said, opened your eyes, and, and looks like a, a country that's uh, looking to the future there. And, and Erlen, how, you know, how is the future looking within the business in agriculture in, in Norway? Uh, for if you ask me uh, six months ago, uh, I would say I'm I'm really worried. Um, because we have this huge uh, growth in uh, in the costs, uh, as you all have, uh, all farmers uh, throughout uh, Europe as well. Uh, and we were, um, yeah, I, I need to tell you that that uh, in in Norway we have the system that uh, every year the farmers uh, unions they are negotiating with the with the government about prices and uh, subsidies for the next year. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's a breaking point, actually. If uh, and at least it was it this year when uh, when fertilizer price, prices has uh, tripled and diesel has doubled and electricity was ten times. So it was if you if you wouldn't have an increase in prices uh, because the price the prices then is is set. For example, on grain. Uh, the the price on grain is then uh, negotiated and and uh, the the partners agrees. Okay, this is the price for grain for next uh, season. Uh, and normally 
uh, Norwegian grain has been uh, 30%, maybe more, 40% above uh, international prices. So it's never been a concern. Uh, but, but this year, actually, the international prices were above uh, Norwegian prices. So the concern from the government was that, okay, if, if you're coming to harvest time now and we haven't lifted the prices, maybe the Norwegian farmers starting to export their grain to, to Sweden, sure. where they pay 20-30% more. So, that's, uh, so then it came, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a really, uh, it, it was the largest um, uh, sum of subsidies, if you can call that, the support to, uh, to, to agriculture, that uh, ever been done, uh, but even if it was, I think it's about one billion euros uh, was was the extra package for this uh, uh, this year. Wow. Um, uh, but even if that was a huge sum, it's more or less not more than it covered the the extra costs. Okay. So so. Uh, the farmers union of course uh, want to increase the 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 margin so it should be following the the, the rest of the population but but uh, that hasn't been possible actually um, because of uh, of the huge uh, huge uh, yeah, the cost explosion okay. but but uh, but it it gave us a, a answer from the from the politicians that okay we still want to, to support uh, Norwegian agriculture and it's maybe more important now that it's been ever than we see how volatile everything is in the, in the global trade market so, so, so yeah so, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking uh, relatively bright at the, at, the, at the future and more and more focus on the, on the national production on, the, on the agriculture products. Okay, so it seems that self-sufficiency obviously is still an important message of the day. And Jill, just going back to what I said, having been there, what what did you what do you sort of see as the key to success? And obviously, as I said, it's a, a growing market for yourself, despite the the, the financial difficulties that uh, um, Erlen was alluding to there. Jill, it, it's, uh, is is the Norwegian market still still growing for you? Absolutely, the Norwegian market is still still going for us, and I think a lot of that success is down to down to the farmers themselves. Um, I guess the message very much would be, you know, whether we're in Norway, we're in Scotland, we're in England, whatever we are, um, being as self-sufficient as possible, taking that care, looking at that attention to detail, getting our grass silage right, getting the base of the diet right, um, and then you know, everything else kind of falls into place behind that, doesn't it? So it doesn't necessarily matter where we are in the world. Um, there's an opportunity to be more self-sufficient, which then will make us more sustainable um, in agriculture, and I think it's really nice to 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 go to other places, see what other people are doing, and, and take those little nuggets home, um, and just keep keep learning. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure you you appreciate the collaboration you have there with Harbour in the same way the Top Lines and Tails appreciates uh, the way that they understand um, that what we're all trying to do within the within the industry to make it better. And, and Erland, I, I'll I'd like to thank you very much for for taking your your time to talk to me today. It's been most fascinating and interesting to hear how, how the Norwegian market is, and um, uh, it's very kind of you to take take the time. Sure, with uh, uh, cooperation with Harbour, I. I 
I was just uh, sucking up uh, knowledge when I the first time I, I went to Scotland and, and learned from Scottish farmers. Uh, I, I experienced them as, as really skilled and uh, uh, with an eye for details as well as Jill uh, replying to us. So uh, this has really gone uh, gone both ways. And uh, actually, I'm going to to Ireland uh, next week to be a judge in uh, World Beef Challenge as uh, arranged in in Dublin. And that's uh, that's thanks to my network that I build up. Uh, through my through my uh, cooperation with uh, with Harbro and uh, and UK farmers. So just that's... tell me about the World Beef Challenge. This involves eating a bit of steak. There, doesn't it? Ellen? It sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I ask about uh, how should I prepare? Should I say something or uh, should it be? Uh, no, no. Just keep breakfast. Breakfast, they say. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I think it will involve a lot of uh, beef eating. So, actually, it was quite uh, fun last year. Uh, or last time it was uh, arranged. I think they arranged it last year. And uh, the, the 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 beef from from this uh, Angus brand that I told you, uh, they they had a gold medal uh, in in one of the uh, classifications there. So so it seems that uh, that Norway beef is uh, competitive also on eating quality. That so yeah. Uh, then so that's. So you're representing Norway as well as being there as a judge in, in the World Beef Eating Competition. What, what did you call that competition again? I'm going to have to look it up. It's called uh, the World Beef Challenge. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll look that up. That sounds like something I wouldn't mind judging that. They went, what about yourself, no. Jill? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, Jill, thank you very much for your... Oh, oh, thank you, Harbour, for your continued support of Top Lines and Tales. And, and thank you both for, uh, for taking the time to talk to us on this week's episode. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Andy. Very thank you, Andy. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, and, and thank you for Jill Hunter for joining us there. I do have to apologise on this particular episode that uh, the recording dropped a little bit in the middle there due to communication problems when uh, Erlen was telling us about an Angus project that's going on in uh, in Scandinavia there where they are producing now um, branded Angus beef directly into the supermarket. So uh, it'd be nice if we can talk to him again another time about, uh, about that one, but my apologies. But my thanks go to Harbro for their continued sponsorship uh, of the Top Lines and Tales podcast, as always. And as cattle start to be housed this time of year, why not speak to Harbro to get a, a feed budget in place and, and finalise cost-effective rations for the winter months ahead? Find them on social media or on their website. And of course, while you're on the subject of social media, don't forget to look out the Top Lines and Tales Facebook page where you'll find photographs and other information to back up this episode.